This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Have you ever been in a situation where you woke up and you're like, how in the world did I get here? Any, anybody? Am I the only one? And, and it just, just thinking about it caused you to become anxious and worried and stressed out. You know, you've ever been there? You know, uh, 10 years ago, tw- I was thinking about this in 2009. It was the week after Christmas. And it was around a time where, I, you know, quite truth be told, I, I was praying to the Lord and, and I was looking at, looking at my kids. And if my kids are here, sorry, but I'm going to tell some, some of your business. But um, <laughs> I was looking, looking at my kids and some things that were going on. And, and I remember going to the Lord saying, Lord, you, you need to get Gia, my wife, you need to get her in line. I mean, she's not doing a good job raising these kids. I mean... You need to help her because she needs to be pouring the word into our kids so that they begin to walk it out. And how many of you know that God doesn't operate that way? And, and so he got a hold of me and told me it was my job to step up and be the man he's called me to be and, and begin leading my family. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to start doing devotionals with my kids. And so the very first devotion I did with my kids was on fear. And, 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 and we're, we're, I'm doing this study about fear, and we're talking about fear. And at the time, my youngest, Ashley, she was eight years old. And so we're going over fear. I'm saying, you got to stand in the face of fear, face your fears. Don't let the devil steal from you. And she, you know, I love her because she, she, she's my youngest. And she says, Daddy, what are you afraid of? And I don't know where she came from, but my wife pops up and says, Daddy's afraid of heights and airplanes. And then like that, she was gone. And I'm thinking, yeah, thanks, babe, you know. And so she put that out there. And so then my daughter says, well, what are you going to do to face your fears? Well, around this time, my sister-in-law happened to be in town. And she pops up and says, hey, wouldn't it be great if we went skydiving? And I'm like, no. (laughs) But then I realized my kids were watching me. And I'm like, oh, good Lord. So I said, you know what? Let's do it. And so fast forward, you know, I'm th- the week, we're, it's the week of skydiving. I'm thinking about skydiving. I'm stressing about skydiving, thinking about getting up in a plane and jumping out of a plane. Now I'm starting to get anxious. I'm sweating at night. I mean, it's just stressing me out. I haven't even gotten there yet. So then on the day of skydiving, we get there, you know, you pay the money, and then they shuffle you into this room, and they tell you you have to uh, watch this 15-minute video. They give you these forms to fill out while you're watching the video. Guys, all I remember in the video was at the end of the video, while you're signing this piece of paper, there's an ambulance driving off of the runway, and then these big bold words pop up that says, if you die, your insurance will not be covered. Have a a nice flight. And it's like, what? What is that? And so we go out, you know, and and, and we we meet meet the person we're going to be tandem up with, and um, he's going through instructions with each of us. And as he's talking to us, I I formulate this plan. I said, you know what? I'm going to get on the plane last so that my sister-in-laws will jump out before me. And that way, it'll give me time to compose myself and and I'll be okay. And I remember during the conversation, he goes, you know what? Um, I'll give you a thumbs up if I see you stressing out. And that thumbs up will mean, you know, just, just listen to me. Just trust me. I'm like, okay, good. So we go out. We get on the plane. Sure enough, I'm the last person on the plane. My plan's going into effect. Everything's working well. And, and then I meet the guy who's going to be filming us jumping out of a plane. And so we start this conversation, and we start this great dialogue, and I don't even realize that we've taken off. And so we're going back and forth, going back and forth, very nice guy, and we get up to about 10,000 feet, and we're having this conversation. And while we're talking, old boy leans over and pushes up the door. And then it got real. Because <laughs> now I'm like, what's happening? What's, what's, what's about to go on? And he says, Derek, man, you're a nice guy. It's been great talking to you. He said, I'll catch up with you in a few minutes. And then he just falls out of the plane. 
And now my anxiety is going through the roof. I'm like, what is going on? And on the video to which none of you will see, uh, my family doesn't know where that video is. I've hidden it, nobody will ever see it. But on the video, you hear me saying, uh, what just happened? And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, last on the plane, first off the plane. And so now I'm like, oh no. And on the video, you hear me say, oh no. And then I'm like, wait a minute, stop, don't do it. Ah! And I just fell out of the plane. And if you have a picture, Carrie, can you show that picture? We fell out of the plane. Yeah, you can clap now, but I thought I was gonna die that day. But it caused much, much anxiety and stress in my life that day, leading up to it and that day. Today I wanna to talk to you, just encourage you uh, about this subject of anxiety and stress and worry because I think it's something that is creeping its way into the body of Christ. I read an article the other day and it said 20% of Americans, America is considered the most prosperous nation in the world. But this article said 20% of Americans deal with anxiety on a regular basis. And then it went on to say 18% of Christians deal with anxiety on a regular basis. How many of you know that God never intended for us to live an anxious life? If you don't know, now you know. God wants us to live a peaceful life. You understand that? A peaceful life. And we can do that if we'll do it, do life his way. Uh, Corey Tin Boom has a quote. She says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. You see, we get caught up in the what ifs of life. We get caught up in the, you know, the, our inabilities and, and our limitations, and we don't realize that we've shifted our focus off of God and put our focus elsewhere. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, do not fret or have anxiety about anything. Anything. So does that, does that mean you can stress about finances? No. Oh, come on, guys. No. <laughs> Are we supposed to stress about finances? No. Are we supposed to stress about our health? No. Are we supposed to stress about our children? No. Are we supposed to stress about anything? No. The Word of God says, do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, making definite requests, and with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And guess what? God will come into your situation and turn it around because he's a good God. We sing that song all the time. He's a good, good father. And we've got to approach him that way, knowing that he has our best interest at heart. He's not going to leave us hanging. There's no way in the world I would leave my children out there hanging. Why? Because I love them and I will do anything for them. And he's much more. You understand that? God loves us that much more. Anxiety. Anxiety is nothing more than, as I said, what ifs. Uh, having a negative expectation. Uh, it comes from a Latin root that means to choke and to squeeze. It can interrupt your sleep, choke your energy. It can harm your overall well-being. It actually has a paralyzing effect. It reduces our ability to fully engage in relationships. It, 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 makes us, uh, it gives us a fear of being hurt, or it comes from a fear of being hurt or rejected, and, and it distorts our thinking. I, it's so funny. Um, I, 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 I truly believe that I... I work with uh, some of the best people on the face of the earth um, uh, here on staff. You know, uh, I consider our staff family, I consider this church family, my family. When, when my wife and I go back home, my dad will always ask, hey, when are you coming back home? And we tell him all the time, 
we are home back in Conroe because you guys are such a blessing. But when I first got here, I was a completely different person. You know, anybody who knew me would tell you uh, that dude was scary. You know, I actually had somebody we worked with who said, I was scared of you because I didn't smile. I was always angry. I was always on guard and on defensive, on defense. Why? Because I had been hurt in the past. And so, and I had anxiety when it came around being, being around other believers, being, being in church, letting my guard down. I had anxiety about being hurt again. And, and, and understand that God doesn't want us to live that way. And I had to make a choice. And the choice was, is, am I going to believe God or am I going to continue to live, live my life in a box? And I chose to believe God. And, and my action or my decision to believe God opened the door to, for God to heal me, for God to restore me, and for God to put me back on the path that he had for my life. Amen? And so God wants to bless us if we will listen to him. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Guys, I can't express to you enough. This Bible is full of good words, full of good words. And if you find yourself overly anxious, stressed out, worried, you need to get into the word of God. My wife will tell you there was a season where I drove her mad because I had index cards all over the house. I had paper taped to steering wheels, taped to the refrigerator. Why? Because during that season I told you where I was isolating myself, where I was angry, where I was defensive and anxious, I knew I needed to get back to where God wanted me to get to and I needed to get the word on the inside of me. And so everywhere I turned around, I wanted to see the word. And I'll never forget that. Um, The Bible says that a merry heart doeth good like medicine. And so I had to go through a season where I had to actually say that scripture and then make myself smile in the mirror because life wasn't going well. But by faith, I had to receive what the word of God said and actually encourage myself in that way. And so I would sit in the mirror and I would say, a merry heart doeth good like medicine. (laughs) A merry heart doeth good like medicine. Why? Because on the inside, I wasn't smiling. But I either believe the word of God or I, I don't. And after a while, you know what? Those smiles became natural. Even my wife would say, hey, you're, you're smiling, you're laughing. And I'd say, I am? Because I was just an unhappy individual. But guys, the word of God works. You know, I was speaking to a guy the other day uh, because I'm in this season where I'm really just in all my classes emphasizing the word of God. And he says, but I've already heard it. But I said, have you though? Are you really hearing it? Are you applying it to every area of your life? Because, guys, the Word of God, it never changes. It never changes. And sometimes we come in here and we say, amen, we get all excited, we get all stirred up, and then on Monday we go out, and we, or, or, or Thursday we go out and we live our life completely different than, than how we were amen and on Wednesday night. You, you get what I'm saying? We've got to take the Word of God with us and apply it to our life on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Monday and Tuesday. And, and, and you'll see your life begin turning around when you make it a priority. See, one of the problems of, of, of where we're at today in, in the world and in the church world is, is we're fitting the word of God in. We're fitting God in to our lives. And in reality, it needs to be the foundation to which our, our, our lives are built upon. You know, we can't fit God in. He's got to be the starting point. And when he's the starting point, things will turn around. I know, guys, I've been there, kids in sports, you know, multiple jobs. But, but the Bible says that if we will trust the Lord and do it his way, he'll make all those things come, come to us. You understand that? 
God loves you. He loves all of us, but he wants us to do it his way. And if we'll do it his way, he'll bless us. Anxiety is not of him. What I'd like to do tonight is, is look at a, a short story. There's two examples in the story of someone who did it, or, or a group that did it wrong and an individual or a couple of people who did it right. Um, and it's found in Numbers, and so we'll read it off the screen here. Um, in Numbers 13, 1 through 3, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were heads of the people of Israel. And, and verses 18 through 21, it says, And see what the land is, whether the people who dwell in it are strong. Or, well, let me go back here real quick, because um, I think we missed something. Uh, verse 17 says, uh, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up. And, and into the hill country and see what the land is, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak and whether they are few or many and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad and whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds and whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are trees in it or not and be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now let me just stop there. God said he was giving us the land, right? Or giving them the land. Does God give us bad stuff? So then why in Moses' interpretation did he say, go see if it's rich or poor? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Go see if, 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 if we can take it or not. I mean, he, he, he added all these negative pieces to it. And I think one of the things that happens sometimes in, in church circles is we get so caught up in listening to individuals. You, you, you hear me? God's called us, each one of us, to have a personal relationship with him. You understand that? I love Pastor Allen. I love Justin. I love Pastor Philip. I love Pastor Bob. I love Miss Billy. I love all these people. But God's not told me to have a relationship with him through them. You understand what I'm saying? God wants a personal relationship with each and every one of you. And if you'll make a decision to get up close to him, he'll begin speaking into your life and you'll know the truth. And that truth will set you free. Because what happens sometimes is as well-intentioned people, you know, I believe the best in everyone, sometimes we leave things out, sometimes we add things to it. I came up in a denomination where the minister used to always say, money is the root of all evil. And everyone in that church were struggling with poverty for a long, long time. And you had Derek who, who asked a lot of questions. I asked tons of questions. And I remember as a kid going up to the, the pastor and I said, look, if God's a good God, then why is everybody broke in here? Why, why is everybody on food stamps? Why, why, why is everybody, you know, struggling to eat from week to week to week? And, and the, the minister said, God blesses some, but he doesn't bless all. And so I remember telling him, well, if that's God, I don't want to have anything to do with God. And I walked away from church. But I'm so thankful that I, I met someone who told me, son, this is the word of God. And the Lord provided the word of God, sent the word of God to heal you in every area of your life. And I said, what does that mean? He said, God wants to have a personal relationship with you. And if you will make this a priority in your life and begin to read it and get to know who God is, things will begin to change. And I'll never forget the day that I was reading scripture and I found out that the scripture actually says the love of money is the root of all evil. Blew me away. Well, this man was a good man, but he was deceived. And all of us, at some point in time in our life, we've been deceived about things. 
What do I mean by that? Some of us will go to a doctor, and a doctor will tell us there's nothing else we can do. And we believe the words of this physician, this professional, who's gone to school and spent a lot of time honing their craft and, and becoming top in their field. Yet the Bible says that by the stripes of Jesus, we've been healed, folks. Amen. Understand the word of God is infallible. It's true. The Bible says every word of God proves true. And that's what God wants for us. And so instead of living anxious lives, we need to live lives of expectation, knowing that, you know what, what I'm dealing with today is temporary. And God has something better for me on the other side. Amen? No, all right, so about four of y'all heard me this much. If you're going through something in your marriage, guess what? God has something better for you on the other side. If you're struggling financially and there's a whole bunch of red in your ledger, guess what? God has something better for you on the other side. If your child has lost his mind or her mind, guess what? There's something better on the other side that God's going to bring them back into the, into the fold. Amen? And so understand in this story, the Lord said, I'm giving you this land. Tell these people I'm giving them the land. And Moses says, I will do that. And then he goes and he adds a little bit to that. The story goes on to say in verse 25, Carrie, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to a land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, some translations say but. Now, let me stop here. When, when, when it comes to the things that God tells us, folks, we just got to receive God and take him at his word. If you ever find yourself saying, but, okay, you're, you're, you're now going down a different path than where God wants you to go. Well, I know God wants me healed, but don't go there. I, I know God can bless my marriage, but don't, don't do that. Take God at his word. Amen? Amen. It says, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Malachites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw on it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who come from Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. And so now they have this bad report, but quite honestly, they were set up to fail from the beginning because they were listening to Moses, and, and, and they didn't get the message from what God wanted for them. But Caleb, there was something different about Caleb. In fact, uh, Scripture tells us that there was something different about Caleb. In Numbers 14, 24, it says, My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, has followed me fully, and I will bring him into the land which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. God wants you and I to take him at his word. You understand that? God wants you and I. If we see it in Scripture, we want to begin standing on it and believing that it belongs to us. And when you do that, God's going to bring it to pass. 
There's a scripture, it's my scripture for 2019. It's, it's found in, 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 in Joshua chapter 21, verses 43 to 45. It's not, not on the screen, but it says this. It says, not one of the promises that God had made to the children of Israel, not one failed. All came to pass. Guys, can I tell you, if you get into a place with your walk with God where if he says it, you believe it, and you hold on to it, our promise from God is it's going to come to pass in your life. Because every word of God proves true. Amen? Amen. Oh, man, you can do better than that. Amen. Amen. If you want to see God's promises in your life, you've got to stand on them. You've got to believe it. You've got to have endurance. And you've got to know it belongs to you. So let's look at some uh, traits here that Caleb had that was different uh, and things that we need to do uh, to get past anxiety and, and, and get past the things that we see and we're feeling and, and experience the promises of God. Number one, we've got to get into the word. Anxiety can be crippling, but, we'll, but when we attack it with the word of God, it has to go. Psalm uh, 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God will illuminate the darkness in your life and show you how to get out of it and move into God's promises for your life. I'll never forget when, when we lost everything and I had no idea of where to go. I got into the word of God and God began to give me clarity, began to give me wisdom, and lead, began to lead me all the way out. And, and you know what? He's still leading me today. And if you stay in the word, he'll continue to lead you into green pastures. He'll continue to lead, lead you into everything that he has for your life. Amen? Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. Guys, it's full of power. Full of power. So let me talk 2019 speak. How many of y'all have cell phones? How many of y'all, well, you know what, put your hands, how many of y'all have flip phones? I want to see who has a flip phone. <laughs> Anybody? How many of y'all have smartphones? Now, that smartphone's no, no use to you if there's no power, right? No juice. If it's no juice, it's nothing but a paperweight. With all that it can do, it has to have power, right? Our lives have to have power. Our lives have to have power. And if we're going to have power, that power comes from the word of God. So we've got to plug into the word of God and get that power operating in every area of our life. And then what happens is it says it's making it active. It's operating. It's energizing. It's effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breadth of life and the immortal spirit of the joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. Here's my favorite part. Exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. The word of God gets in there and it separates out what's true and what's not. You know what, Derek, uh, we, we've done all we can. And, um, you know, you just need to accept it and do the, make, make the best of what you have left. No. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. With long life shall he satisfy me. That's what the word of God says. But it has to get down on the inside of us, folks. When it gets down on the inside of us, when that lie comes, it can sift it out, expose it for what it is, and, 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 and be... be expelled out of our, our situations. And then I've been saying this consistently tonight. Proverbs 30 and 5 says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So the word of God is primary and it's number one. Number two, we've got to place our trust in him. We've got to have faith in God's plan for our life. Some of us don't believe that God wants to bless us, that we're good enough for God to bless us, or that we deserve God's blessings. But guess what? The moment you said yes 
and accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you're now a candidate for all of his blessings. You're a child of God. And what, what he has belongs to you. And so we've got to trust that. Um, Jeremiah 29.11 says this. If we'll trust him, it, he says this. I know what I'm doing. This is the message version. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. So we've got to trust God. We've got to lean into him and know that, you know what, he's going to lead us into some good places. And then Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Final thing is his, this here. We've got to keep our focus on him, because sometimes what will happen is, is, you know, we'll get strong, we'll get focused for a season, and then we'll take our eyes off of God and stray from the path. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking away from all that will distract, to who? To Jesus. Keep your focus on Jesus. And you'll get there. And then here's one of my favorites. It's in Luke 21. It says, so make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. Because I will give you the words and wisdom that none of your enemies will be able to oppose or prove wrong. Verses 18 and 19 says, and not a hair on your head will be lost. But by your endurance you will save your life. We've got to lean into God fully and wholeheartedly and trust that he knows what's best for us in every situation. And when we do that, when we get to a place where God is, is, is that focus in our life, that he, he's the focal point, uh, he, he's the center, uh, some people call him the true north, whatever, whatever you want to call him. It, when we get to that place, you'll begin living a peaceful life, life full of peace. Now, I think I left my story where I fell out the plane, right? So no one else told me, no, no one told me when we, when we jumped out the plane. They said jump, but I didn't jump. I got pushed out the plane, but anyways. <laughs> no one told me that we'd be going 180 miles an hour. So we're going 180 miles an hour, and no one told me to keep my mouth closed. <laughs> so my mouth is wide open, and on the video, you can see my mouth, and my cheeks are like... <laughs> Like this, and I'm like freaking out. My eyes are like this, my mouth, and the camera guy's like. <laughs> and I remember, and I, my heart felt like it was about to pop out of my chest. And just when I was getting ready just to completely and totally lose it, I felt a tap on my shoulder. And I heard the guy say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. And I had a decision to make. I can either freak out and begin start fighting him, or I could trust it. And so I, t- I decided to trust it. And about 2,000 more feet going at a free fall of 180 miles an hour, he pulls the chute. And when he pulled the chute, what was once a lot of pressure, a lot of wind, a lot of things going on all around me became the most peaceful experience I'd ever experienced in my life. And it was a peaceful ride all the way down. And I remember him saying, aren't you glad you trusted me? And I said, yeah. I said, this is beautiful. And we hit the ground, and it was like, I did it. Thank you. And I turned around, and I said, thank you. Guys, God wants us to trust him. And if we'll simply trust him by leaning into him, by standing on his word, 
not only will we experience the promises of God, but the whole ride getting there will be an experience you'll never forget. I don't regret anything that God's done for me. I am so thankful to God, to the leaders of this church for all that they've, that they've done in my life. And it's because I chose to trust God uh, several years ago and, and allow him to do what he wanted to do in my life. And here's what I believe. I believe God's no respecter of persons that he wants to do some great things in your life. But it all starts with you getting into the word of God, trusting him, and keeping your focus on him. Amen? Amen. If you'll bow your heads tonight, let's uh, take a few minutes here. You know, some of you may be here tonight and you may say, you know what, that's all good, good, great story. But I haven't even taken that step to know who Jesus is yet. Well, guys, tonight, tonight that's going to be your night. Uh, just a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to make that decision. Uh, there might be others of you who may say that, you know, I, I, I was close to God at one point, but, but life's happened and, and things have gotten in the way. I've gotten far from God. Uh, but, but can I tell you, tonight, tonight's also your night. So, so here, just a few minutes, we're all going to say a prayer. But I'm going to ask you, if, if that's you, if, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've, if you've fallen away and, and, and you want to get back with, with the Lord tonight, I'm going to ask you just to, with, with, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you just to lift up your hand tonight, and, and we're going to pray here in just a few minutes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, hands down, please. As a church family, we're going to say it all together like we do each and every week. Uh, let's pray this together. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior, and I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of Christ. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, we just thank you for each and every person in this room tonight, Lord. Father, your word says that when it goes out, that it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish for the very purpose that you sent it. So, Father, I thank you that there are those of us, Lord God, who are just now getting on the path of walking with you. Father, I thank you that they will make the word of God a priority in their life. They'll make you the foundation of their life and build from there. And then, Lord, I thank you that there are those of us, Lord God, who are already on this journey with you. And, Father, I thank you that we will reprioritize you in every area of our lives. And, Father, I thank you that when we seek you, just as your word says, we will find you. Father, I thank you that our best days are ahead of us that you have great things in store for us, and just as your word says, you are able to make all things new. So, Father, we praise you for what, you, what lies ahead in the days coming, and, Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.